Welcome to Business Ninjas, brought to you by Write For Me, where you'll hear from business leaders who are out there growing their business and slaying it every day. Learn from the masters. Let's get started. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Business Ninjas. I'm here today with Dilip Prabhakar, Regional Sales Director of Freedom Energy Logistics. How are you doing today, Dilip? Great, Andrew. Uh, excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for spending some time with us on Business Ninjas. Please tell us about yourself and about Freedom Energy Logistics. Sure. Uh, so, Andrew, I've been in energy pretty much my whole career. Uh, I've got my start in college. I'm an electrical engineer. I've worked on nuclear plants. I've worked in the HVAC industry. And then I had some technical roles on the supply supplier side and the supply side of the industry. But I, I, I realized that my true passion was dealing with the end users and dealing with end customers. So now I'm more on the, the business development side in the energy sector. And well, I've been in it for so long. I've seen so many changes. The, the industry looks nothing like when I started. I can tell you that. And, and tell us a little bit about what Freedom Energy Logistics does. So where Freedom Energy Logistics comes in is we are helping our clients that are frustrated and anxious with everything they've seen happen in energy the last few years, whether it's COVID, inflation, the Ukraine war, which has greatly impacted prices, and internal pressures even to be sustainable and go more green. I've never seen volatility anything like this before in the industry, and I've been in the industry a long time. So we help our clients manage that with their goals in mind, seeing if we can help them be more sustainable, be more green without breaking the bank on the uh, competitive supply aspect. Yeah, I, I can't think of a more volatile time. I mean, uh, the skyrocketing cost of energy here in LA, they tripled the cost of natural gas at the coldest month of the year. Uh, this last winter exposed uh, Texas's power grid issues. Uh, various cities around the planet are banning internal combustion engines moving forward. So there's an absolute need to shore up the electrical grid. Yeah, you you must be pretty busy these days. Yeah, it, it, it's pretty busy. And one of the things that we find is the consumer, the end user, and not, and, and Andrew, some consumers can choose their electric provider depending on what state they're in, and some cannot. California, where you are, is an interesting one where if you are selected in a lottery, you can choose your competitive supplier. Otherwise you're on the utility. But there's just so much more information out there now. And even if the information is good, it, it, it's just very confusing to a lot of people. So having, having us come in and try and help them understand what may be good for their business or what might not be good for their business based on what they read, sometimes is a challenge. <laughs> Absolutely. Well. Uh... To say that the modern era of misinformation is in full swing uh, would be uh, an understatement. So you have a lot of educating to do to people who are, hey, we had four years of someone saying that we need clean coal, right? <clears throat> Which is a, an interesting oxymoron that we're, we're not going to go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> so, what's the origin story of Freedom Energy Logistics? When did they start business? So Freedom Energy started in 2006. Our founding member, Gus Fromith, was it? Yeah, he's an he's an industry veteran, and he started the company giving end users the ability to 
purchase power in the wholesale marketplace, which was a unique concept because the wholesale marketplace was where traders played, where the investors played, and it was giving the end user an ability to play in that. And from, but that product was not one that interested everybody in the marketplace because it was a very volatile product. It was, it was, you take the price on an hourly level and the company has since developed other products and other ways to help consumers, but that's kind of how the company got its start. Okay. And, and what are the typical problems that you were solving for your customers? A lot of, a lot of the customers are, are, confused and, and they're frustrated with how energy costs have really shot up post COVID. So what we try to do for them is we try and get them the best competitive supply rates by forcing competition among suppliers. And if they have any ESG goals, which stands for environmental social governance, we help them along that way to meet investor goals and, and employee goals to make sure the companies are doing what they they say they want to do to help the environment. And granted, it's not a one size fits all. So we we tend to work best with the clients, with clients that want to explore that and want want our help with how they become more sustainable, how they be, become more green, how they can help their bottom line and and frankly help the planet as well. Well, hey, ESG is a very important topic these days. You know, people want transparency both in investing and in spending. It's not always the easiest thing to uncover in terms of who owns, you know, there's always another parent company and another parent company, and they don't necessarily always behave themselves all the way up the food chain. So I, I applaud your transparency on that front. In terms of your customers, what what verticals do you service? So it's funny because energy is one of those verticals that everybody needs, of course. but there are some industries that are affected more. For example, municipalities are a big vertical for us. Manufacturers are a big vertical for us. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes you'd be surprised that what data centers can be a big vertical for us. We're working with one company now that really doesn't have the appetite to be very sustainable because of the costs associated, but they have a Spanish parent, for example, and they're putting pressure on them. So that's so companies with foreign parents are becoming a vertical for us because they're being told you need to become more sustainable. So it's it's kind of the industry has changed so much post COVID because I think the COVID run up in natural gas prices really showed the world that boy, you know, we're we're still pretty volatile here and we can save money and go green at the same time. As I said, in uh, in January of this year, uh, our gas company tripled the cost of natural gas to the clients. And then they reduced it by, I think it was 60 or 70% the following month. Everybody was celebrating. Well, wait a minute. Now it's permanently higher than it's ever been. You know, um, I, Frankly, in 2023, I'm surprised when I drive down the road and I see a giant manufacturing plant whose roof is not covered in, in, in uh, solar panels at this point. Like, I don't know why you have an open space, you have an incredible need for energy. I don't know why everyone isn't, isn't making the turn and, and doing their part as far as uh, the environment and energy sources are concerned. I assume that, that solar power is now so mass produced that it has become far more cost effective than it was 10, 20 years ago. Oh, even even five years ago, uh, it's it's much more cost effective, Andrew. 
you mentioned the situation where where you're surprised not seeing solar on on roofs. A lot of the a lot of the times, maybe that roof is an older roof or it's not suited for solar, and you have to replace that roof. But there are other products coming along that that will help these companies be sustainable. Whether it's battery storage, these these products are, are really helping customers be more sustainable and it provides a little resiliency to the grid where maybe these customers can't use electricity, can't have solar on their roofs, they may be able to put a battery in that would help them out. Okay. We're starting to see that a lot more. Well, just for my own knowledge, what has progressed faster? Is it the cells themselves and their means of capturing the sun or is it the battery and storage end of it? What has progressed faster? Probably in the last couple of years, the battery aspect of it, because they're they're becoming much more prevalent. The problem and the reason being, Andrew, the problem with solar is it's an intermittent resource. When right. the sun is blazing, you're going to generate a lot of solar energy. When it's not, you need other means to generate electricity because the storage hasn't been that great. It's getting better. So the theory is with these batteries, you'll be able to, when the renewables, when wind is blowing, when the sun is shining, you'll be able to capture that surplus more and not have to turn on natural gas plants, not have to turn on coal plants to, to when, when the system is peaking and when those resources aren't available. Now that's the theory behind electrification. You may have heard that term thrown around where the goal is to have 100% renewables by say 2050. The reality of the situation is that you need a lot more of these batteries for these intermittent resources and the grid needs to be upgraded everywhere in every part of the country in every region pretty much to support all these new interconnects because a solar plant for example can't generate the juice of a nuclear plant you have to have more of them you have to have them spread out and you have to have the ability to interconnect to the grid now andrew the big problem is to upgrade the grid to this level it's going to cost trillions and nobody wants to pay for that. It'll be it'll be it'll be paid for in all our electric rates. Yeah, it well, obviously state by state there are different challenges. I mean, I'm fortunate to live in a state that has been very aggressive about renewable energy for a long time. You know, yes. California has all sorts of tax incentives. We have lots of solar and wind power. Um, we just we now have the what turns out to be one of the largest lithium deposits on the planet, and the state is putting lots of tax incentives. In. Uh, ahead of yielding all of that lithium to to you know have domestic produced batteries and things like that, but again there are states in in the in the middle of this country that don't have the benefits of the sun and the wind the way we do, and a lot of them are still powered by coal. Now, are, are you guys a regional provider? Do you work uh, nationwide? We work in all the uh, deregulated states, correct? Which is oh. uh, is mostly on the East Coast, California. There are some opportunities to help with electricity. Uh, I believe every state suppliers, uh, customers can choose their own natural gas supplier, but uh, there's there's only about 25 to 30 states that uh, electricity can be chosen. Yeah, I, I, I'm here in Los Angeles and I don't have options. I have one gas provider and one electricity provider here. You get what you get. Yeah. Um, 
what what are some of the challenges here in 2023 across your industry and and how is that impact, impacting your customers so the biggest challenge right now is 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 climate change and what do we do about it from an electricity perspective these storms are getting stronger no one can dispute that it's leading to more power outages the power grid mainly built in the 70s and 80s is weakening anyway and you couple that with increased storm power, you're just going to see more and more outages, which which creates the need for more microgrids, more backup power. And how do you stop the planet from warming is, is another issue. And that's that's the big push for for renewables. And there's no quick solution there. We're not going to be off fossil fuels tomorrow. We're not going to be off fossil fuels in 10 years, 15 years. It's going to have to be a gradual process, but it has to begin sometime. And I think that process was really accelerated by the post-COVID run-up in natural gas prices, causing people to panic and realize that, boy, not only are we killing the planet, it's not really as cost-effective these these fuels as they as they used to be. No, and and hey. Uh... We're at a time where we were paying six fifty a gallon for gas for a while here. We've leveled off around five dollars, as if that's a gift. Um, so you know, <laughs> most people tend to to shop based on their wallet, not necessarily their conscience. But those two those two subjects are crossing paths at, at the same time now, right? Um, hybrids and electric cars are becoming more and more appealing to everyone for every reason, cost, environment, even if it's just your the almighty dollar that you're worried about, hey, your choice may have an, a, a positive impact on the environment anyway. So uh, that's a good thing, I would think. That is a good thing. And, and that comes back to the power grid as well. And you may recall, or you may have read last, last summer, I believe in Texas, ERCOT, the Texas grid, asked people not to charge their electric cars during during peak periods. That's something that we're going to have to get around if we're going to get to full electrification, uh, you know, someday. And I think I think someday that's that's going to be the goal. It's just not going to be tomorrow. And I know a lot of people are are expecting that, but there's just a lot of work and a lot of infrastructure to be built that needs to make that happen. Well, hey, you drive down a, a highway and you see uh, objects kind of like the uh, the background behind you, those giant old school power towers holding lines. And you think, how long has that been there? What does it take to maintain it? How can that possibly still be state of the art in the 21st century? And the answer is, until somebody comes up with a solution that's cost effective, that doesn't cost trillions of dollars, you got what you got. And in certain states, it's just not taking care of business anymore. It certainly isn't. And you mentioned those old those old lines that you see out there that have been around forever. They're not very efficient either, because as, as power trans, transmits across those power lines, especially those older ones, the losses of the elect- electrons is quite tremendous. The newer ones are much more efficient. But again, there's the whole cost of, of building that out. Yeah, I mean, I know certain states like uh, Florida, for instance, you don't see as many power lines because there the issues are 
hurricanes that come through. So you can't have the power lines. So they have different issues than we do here in, in Los Angeles, where we have a seismically active place and we don't want to put all the power lines in the ground. So I don't think there is one size fits all solution for the United States. We have issues in various places that that are that varied. Um, now, other than solar power, what are you guys involved in most these days? Uh, competitive supply, uh, renewables from from batteries. We'll we'll evaluate CHPs, which is um, combined heat and power plants for individual users. Really, anything under the sun in terms of what a client may want to look at in terms of being more resilient, in terms of being more environmentally friendly. And a lot of that comes down to understanding, especially corporate clients, what their ESG policy is and what makes sense for them based on based on what those policies are. And, and if it if if something doesn't align, we might make suggestions saying you might want to update your policies to reflect this so you can take advantage of that. Excellent. All right, let's switch gears. Fast forward one year from now. What would you like to be celebrating personally and professionally? Boy, I'd like to be celebrating some of the projects that we're working on now for clients coming to full fruition, getting them connected to the grid where where they can, where we're not only just helping the clients, but we're helping the grid as well. And we're helping the environment because some of these some of these products that are helping with the sustainability, they're going to keep fossil fuels, some of the dirtiest, dirtiest of coal plants, oil plants, off peak, off off the grid, most of the time. That's what that's what I'd like to be celebrating. That that and one of the one of the frustrating things, Andrew, is is that because of the state of the grid, the grid operators have to be very, very careful when putting these online. And there are tremendous delays on this. So I'd like to be celebrating these projects being online and running in a year. But with all the delays in getting interconnects, you know, it, it's 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 still a hope at this point, maybe, maybe a year, year and a half. <laughs> Well, hey, I wish you the best of luck in your endeavor, because if you succeed, then the planet succeeds, and, that, and that's good stuff. Please tell everyone where they can find Freedom Energy Logistics, what your URL is, and what social media channels you're using these days. Sure. Uh, we can be found at felpower.com. We are on LinkedIn. You can find us there. We generate newsletters with helpful articles for everyone to, to read. And uh, those are the those are the best places to find us. Excellent. Dilip Prabhakar of Freedom Energy Logistics, thank you for a fascinating conversation. I appreciate what you do, and I wish you and yours and Freedom Energy Logistics all the best in the future. Thank you, Andrew. I had a lot of fun. Excellent. Be well. Hey, are you a business ninja? Want to be interviewed like this? Give us a shout. Go to www.writeforme.io. W-R-I-T-E-F-O-R-M-E dot I-O and schedule a time to meet with us and we'll make it happen. Keep slaying it, y'all.